Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, it's Dr. Jill, and welcome to Vet Candy. Today on our show, we have a very interesting veterinarian, Dr. Annie Wayne, and she's from Tufts, and she's going to talk to us about some research that her and a team of women have done about pregnancy discrimination in veterinary students. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on our show. So, Dr. Annie, I was reading about you. You're very interesting. Can you tell me more about who you are, where you grew up, and why you became a veterinarian, what kind of veterinarian you are, and anything related to that? Sure. So I, like many veterinarians, wanted to be a vet my whole life. Physics almost derailed me in college, but I um, got back on the vet train. I went to Tufts undergrad, and then I worked as a vet tech for a couple of years at Angel, which is the big um, animal hospital in the Boston area. And then I went to Tufts Veterinary School, and I graduated in 2011 with a dual degree in veterinary medicine and public health. And then I went to Angel for my internship and residency in emergency and critical care. And then I've been back on the faculty at Tufts since 2016 in the emergency and critical care department. And my two lines of research are one in antimicrobial stewardship and the other on parenting and sort of the challenges of parenting and the institutional barriers that still exist for veterinary students and veterinarians. And it's, you know, personal, I think, as it is for most of us and for my colleagues who I work with. I had my son when I was in my residency program and uh, my daughter after I'd been back at Tufts for about a year and I'm uh, due with a third in July. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. So, you know, definitely have navigated some of the challenges of having kids during training and working and When I came back to Tufts, I was lucky enough to link up with actually a classmate of mine, Marika Rosenbaum, who had her son during veterinary school. And, you know, we've, you know, talked to his friends about some of the challenges of that. And we sort of linked up and decided to do some research on what the sort of institutional policies are and then how they're perceived by the students and house officers that live with those policies, you know, both of us having sort of lived through some of that. And our third collaborator is um, a social scientist who works on the veterinary campus who also has a young son. And for one of the papers, we also worked with a student who um, had a child when she started veterinary school and just had her second child. She was pregnant in her fourth year of veterinary school. That's Brianna Moulter. So, you know, I think we all have lived and breathed it and we're interested to kind of broaden, you know, what we had experienced and figure out is that the experience of most people and then also think about what are the institutional policies that are in place and then sort of thinking about the next steps of how can we affect at least local change to make Tufts more family friendly. Mm -hmm. And I think we're at the stage of thinking about, you know, there's still a lot to know. There's really not very much published in this at all. So I think there's still tons to figure out in terms of just figuring out where the what the groundwork is that we're starting with, but then also figuring out how can we make the the institutions 
at least, you know, the academic institutions, but then I think the profession at large, more family friendly, because the reality is most of veterinarians are women and most people have kids. So you were saying you had your first child while you were in the middle of your emergency and critical care residency? Yes. So yeah. what happened when you found out you were pregnant and you yeah. were in this already in the you're already in the residency? What went through your mind? Yeah, so I think I was in a bit of a unique place because it wasn't really an accident. I, you know, I knew I wanted to have kids. I knew I wanted to have more than one kid. I come from a family of four and I didn't want to wait to start mm-hmm. because I didn't know if I was going to get pregnant right away or if I was going to have trouble. And so, you know, we were lucky enough to not have trouble, but um, I didn't want to take the risk of waiting. Mm-hmm. And so when I got pregnant, there was a lot of fear in terms of how the program was going to react and deal with it. My resident mate actually had six-month-old twins when she started Wow. <laughs> yeah. And she took a sort of non-traditional path. So she was a great ally and, and sort of knew kind of what was happening and was a great support system. And just by happenstance, one of my mentors had recently had a child as well. And so, you know, there were people around who were going through similar things and sort of were coming from the same place. But there was a ton of fear because there were no policies. There were no written policies. Mm-hmm. You know, I think as a house officer, you're particularly vulnerable because you don't really have a specific contract with the school that you're working with or the hospital that you're working Uh with. And if they're not written policies, it's very unclear which things apply to you. Do you, are you counted as a full employee and do you get employee benefits? Not really, but you're not a student, so you don't fall into that category either. And so... I ended up having a ton of support. The hospital was really supportive. My mentors were supportive, but we sort of worked it out on the fly in terms of being able to, you know, take some time off. And I was still able to finish my requirements for my residency program. So I still was able to sit boards on time. And then I went back and worked to sort of finish the weeks that I had missed as a resident after boards, which ended up working out fine. Although, you know, I think having something in writing makes it clear that one, it's okay. And it's perhaps maybe even expected that some residents are going to get pregnant during their training. Uh And two, it makes, it takes away the fear of what is going to happen if I do get pregnant, that the program has actually thought about how to accommodate that. So what was your biggest challenge being pregnant? (laughs) So I have been very lucky. I've had very relatively easy pregnancies. Um, So I've worked up until a couple days before I've had both my kids. And, you know, I think it's the same as any veterinarian. There's some precautions you have to take and um, there's some things you can't do. You know, obviously you can't be lifting it's a little bit harder to do CPR when you're done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, you have to do CPR from with behind your back, right? Your hands behind right. your back. <laughs> right. But, what about you know, breastfeeding? Like once you had the baby and you had to, you know, if you were breastfeeding your child, was there any challenges with that? For sure. So I nursed both my kids and pumping is definitely a huge challenge and was in some ways harder than being pregnant. And I was able to do it in my residency. And I I just basically, I tried as much as I could to not feel bad about it and just say, you know, I would leave the floor for 20 minutes. And there were certainly times when, you know, I couldn't leave if I was only, you know, on the 
overnights or late nights. It's sometimes hard to leave if you're the only doctor, but thankfully, again, my I had great techs who are super supportive, who can handle most things for a few minutes and they would page me and sometimes I would stop early and run back. But I had you know, a little shared office and I sort of went in the corner and, and pumped there. And, you know, so I think as far as things could have worked out, uh, my residency program was much more supportive than I had initially expected when I had to tell them that I was pregnant uh-huh. and I was able to sort of make the accommodations that I needed to. And I think I've been much luckier than a lot of other veterinarian moms, but it's hard. It's really hard. So um, so with your studies, what were the most concerning things that you learned from these studies you did about discrimination in, in vet schools? Yeah, so um, these studies weren't specifically looking at discrimination. They were really looking at policies and the perceptions of those policies. So I think to me, the most striking things, so it's, it's a relatively small number of people who are getting pregnant in veterinary school and during their training. And I think, you know, that's one area that we should look at more, you know, if there were policies in place, would more people choose to have start families during their training? But for those people who did or who were thinking about it, one of those most striking things to me was that they didn't feel safe. So I think the number was 35 to 40 percent of people responded, um, yeah, 36 to 45% of female respondents who were pregnant or thinking about becoming pregnant didn't feel like they had enough information regarding how to keep themselves safe. And I think that that is really alarming to me. Um, so safe think, from from diseases or safe think, from... Yeah, I think um, from all of those things. So I think that you can be pregnant in and work in the profession and be safe relatively easily, depending a little bit, you know, whether you're a large animal or a small animal, I think the challenges are different, but especially on the small animal side, there are certainly hazards that are, you know, more hazardous when you're pregnant than when you're not, but they're fairly easy precautions that you can take to protect yourself. But there's a lot of unknowns. And I think OBs don't always know what you're exposed to. So at least my experience was that my OB had no idea what I do as a veterinarian and what things I was exposed to. So they didn't even know what questions to ask to make sure that I was being safe. And so a lot of that information you sort of have to figure out on your own. So one of the things that we did at our institution was to create a website for, it's really for anyone on campus, staff, faculty, students, house officers, um, who are thinking about being becoming pregnant or who are pregnant that has safety information, um, among other things in terms of support services and that sort of thing. But it has pretty comprehensive safety information that's um, from a variety of sources that just, you know, just is there as a starting talking point with your OB. Um, And I think that that's something that every veterinary institution can and should do um, to make that publicly available so students don't have to ask, they don't have to disclose that they're even thinking about becoming pregnant, Mm -hmm. that that information is available to them while they're training or while they're, when they go out and are practicing. So what are schools going to do to change their attitudes to make it easier for women to, you know, that are either mothers coming in or get pregnant? What steps are they making? So I don't know what other institutions are doing. I think at Tufts, you know, and I think the profession in general, we're talking about wellness a lot. And it's certainly, you know, in the sort of veterinary news and it's talked about at conferences. I'm not sure that we're really making institutional changes that support wellness in general and parenting as veterinarians. 
So I think to me, you know, that's sort of the next layer of this is that training institutions, but also employers, we need to actually make changes that are sometimes painful, sometimes costly, but in the long run are going to support a profession of people that is resilient and happy and want to stay in their careers long term. So specifically, you know, the things that we've done at Tufts are, you know, creating this website that has safety information and also has people that you can reach out to as mentors if you're thinking about having kids, but it has where the lactation rooms are and, you know, the Facebook group that we have. So just making that public information. And I think all institutions can and should do that. I think making sure that their lactation rooms and all of the buildings that people, students, house officers, faculty that they use frequently is important. And we've been able to do some of that at Tufts. And then I think the bigger challenges are, you know, how do you structure veterinary education so that if somebody needs to take some time off, it doesn't disrupt their whole trajectory. They don't necessarily have to take a whole year off. How do you do that for vet students? And then how do you do that for residency training programs? And I think that's more complicated but I think that it's not undoable. And there are some examples in the medical field, human medical field, about how to structure residency programs or structure your hospital training programs in general and sort of policies for students that you could put in place that support people who are also parents. So the federal laws that are out there that protect people that are breastfeeding, do those apply to students since they're they're not really employees? Yeah. You know, I don't know the answer to that. I would think no, but I don't know the answer to that. Okay. okay. I'll find out for you. I'll try. So, so what would your advice be if, if a student found out she was pregnant? She doesn't go to Tufts, but she found out she's pregnant. What should she do? Like, what should she do immediately? Hopefully you're happy, you know. <laughs> and um, celebrate it. And then I think reach out to your support network. I think, you know, that's something maybe I haven't mentioned is that, you know, I could not do this without a supportive spouse who really supports not only my decisions to have kids, obviously, but also really my career choices and has never made me choose between the two. And, you know, we have some family in the area. I have tons of help. You know, I have a nanny, I have a dog walker, I have someone who cleans my house. You know, so I think it takes a village, really. And so figure out who your support network is, both in the profession and out of the profession, because, you know, you need, you're going to need help and backup help and backup backup help um, at some point. And then make sure that you have a good doctor that you like, that you trust, that you can talk to some of these things about, and then make sure that you can be safe. So the, a lot of our safety information is from the AVMA. They published recently a, a pretty comprehensive guide to you know, the hazards that you might be exposed to. And then the other really great resource in terms of safety, both professional and also personal, is every state has a um, maternal fetal health group that's free. So if you figure out what the number is in your state, you can call them and ask about any potential exposure that you've had. And they ask you a bunch of demographic information, which they keep in terms of like their public health tracking things. But in exchange, they'll research any exposure that you've had. Um, so it could be like the face cream that you're using or you were exposed to isoflurane fumes and you want to know what the potential risks are. 
anything like that, you can call them and they'll help you with that, which I think is a great resource beyond what your OB may be able to provide. And it's actually something that my OB referred me to. Oh, good, good. Especially like first year, you, you're exposed to so much formaldehyde. Yes. I can exactly. I mean, that has got to be a problem, right? I mean, there's no way you could be breathing that in, even if you weren't pregnant and not have any problems, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know a lot of schools are moving to sort of a more plasticine and other things too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, so I think making sure that you know what you're, what you're potentially exposed to and what the risks are and how to keep yourself safe. And then really, I think just using your support network through your pregnancy, but also even more so once you have your child, you're going to need support and figuring that out. So what about the school? Do you need to contact the school and let them know? Do you need to put it in writing or or is there someone um, so designated? Every, yeah, every school is different. And what we found in our the sort of partner article that we have in is published in the um, JVME where we surveyed schools and their administrators and what their policies were. Many, many schools don't have a specific policy. They have sort of will work out on a as-need basis. So at our school, there's a academic dean who sort of handles all of the leaves, no matter what the reason is. So, you know, certainly as early as you're comfortable, most people wait till 12 weeks, but as early as you're comfortable sharing with sort of the appropriate person at your school who could help you figure out how to navigate whatever time off you may need or whatever special accommodations you may need. And, you know, I think Tufts in particular does it on on an as-needed basis and sort of works out depending on the timing of the pregnancy and birth and how much time you need off, whether you take a whole year off or whether there's some way to, to sort of do it within the existing curriculum. And then they're pretty good about, you know, if you need special accommodations or to change your rotation schedule or something so that you're not helping cows nine months pregnant, <laughs> comfortable doing that. Again, you'd have to do it with your hands behind your back, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what about when you have the baby? Uh, do you need to go back to that same person and figure out what to do about, uh, if you're going to breastfeed, like what to do about the pumping location? Yeah, so I would say the other big thing to do is to reach out to other people who um, have had kids, so faculty certainly, and then other students. And I think now at this point, there's, I would imagine at every school, there's students who have gone through the program and who have had children. So getting from them the specifics of, you know, at your school, what accommodations do they have, what, you know, tricks do they know, where are all the good spots. If there aren't specific lactation rooms, where are there good spots to do that? Sometimes faculty will loan you an office. Um, I've certainly offered that to students before we had our lactation room. So I think, you know, finding the other people on campus who are parenting and who've gone through it recently and can help you sort of navigate the sort of specific day-to-day stuff that can be challenging. So what can we do, like as as veterinarians, what can we do to change these things? I feel like every school should have a protocol in place that people shouldn't have to go through what you did and and just sort of play it by ear. I think, shouldn't there be some procedures or policies in place? Yeah. How can we get that to happen? Yeah, so I think I, I completely agree. When I was hired on as faculty, one of the first things I did was to ask my boss to write a written policy for house officers, which we did not have at the time. And so now we do have that. So I think veterinarians who are parents who are working at institutions need to sort of be the, the catalyst for change. And I think pushing for really concrete things that make a difference, written policies for our house officers, written policies for our students, 
accessible lactation rooms. I think talking about it and having some visibility in terms of people who've done it. So I think that, you know, our research found too, there's a huge component of we don't talk about it, so it's just not done. And I didn't think it was acceptable to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this paper has gotten so much attention and press and, and interest, which says to me that this is an issue that people really want to talk about and they really want to affect change. And so using some of that momentum to try to get individual institutions to make change. And then I think, you know, we're starting to think about our next research steps. You know, this was looking specifically at our veterinary institutions, but the profession is much larger. So considering, you know, what is sort of the feeling in terms of most veterinarians who are working in the U.S. in terms of what support they have and then what changes they would like to see that would make a big difference in their lives. And what about the AVMA? Can we approach the AVMA and ask them to make a change or is there something we can do with that? Yeah, I think we haven't you know, figured out exactly who the change makers in the big institutions like the AVMA are, but I think that there's enough veterinarians who are moms, who are parents, that want to see change, that we have to make our voices heard to the institutions that can affect change. And, you know, that's the academic institutions, that's the AVMA. One of the other things that's been kicked around on some social media sites and that we've been talking about is, you know, could something like AHA or some other independent institution create sort of a family-friendly sort of seal or rating for practices that could rank practices based on things that people have given feedback on things that are important to them that would allow veterinarians who are looking for jobs to be able to tell how family-friendly a practice is in, on some rankable scale. So I think that there are ways that we can affect change. And I think based on the feedback from this article, there is the interest and desire to make that change. And so we just have to figure out exactly how to harness that and what specific changes we want to see made. Oh, great. Great. Well, that's great. So um, we'd like to end our interviews with something fun. And since you're pregnant, the question we have for you is, what is your biggest pregnancy craving right now? This pregnancy, I have been like super salt and tuna salad, which I never eat in real life when I'm not pregnant. So tuna salad on a bagel, everything bagel. Um, and then, of course, being a mom, I know that tuna is one of the forbidden or you yeah. can't eat a lot of it, right? So, yeah. so, once a so week. that's tough. Once a week. Once a week, yeah, because of the mercury in it. So, yes. so that's awful. Okay. Mine was when I was pregnant, I had to eat I had to eat these cheeseburgers from 7-Eleven. <laughs> and I would eat them four times a day. And they were, I ate them recently and I was like, how did I eat that? Right. But that's like yeah. the only thing that I could eat. And I would have these cravings. And I would go into 7-Eleven and fill a giant bag full of them and just eat yeah. one every few hours. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Well, yes. well, thank you for being on our show. And can you tell us about the link to get in more information? Yeah. So um, our article is in JAMA and the JVME partner article is, is available online ahead of print right now. Then the Tufts information, some of it is accessible publicly. So if you navigate to the Tufts Veterinary School wellness page, you can access some of the information that we have in terms of um, safety information. And then I think any of the authors on the paper, myself, Marika, um, Megan, Brianna, would all be happy to talk to anyone who has questions or is looking for support. The other big one, which I'm sure you know, and, and your website is doing some of this too, 
is the DVM Moms group on Facebook, which is very active and a, a great support network for veterinarians who are also parenting. And I would say figure out what your local resources are in terms of other people who are pregnant or going through similar things. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. And Thanks have, so a, have a very easy pregnancy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening today with our extra special guest from Tufts, Dr. Annie Wayne, and having her give us some information about the challenges that are facing pregnant students and students who have just recently had children while in vet school. If you'd like to learn more about Tufts and how they set up their programs for pregnant students, it's vetsites.tufts.edu. And please visit our website at myvetcandy.com and sign up for our weekly digest. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.